Alright, we're back with another episode of the Young Black Suburban. <laughs> yeah, that's our thing now. We clap, guys. Alright. And we have a my co-host here, Justin Renfro, like always. And our very special guest, Dr. Sarush Hashimi of Hashimi Healthcare. How you doing? Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Welcome. You are my primary doctor. Um, you helped me out a lot. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, let's just dive right into it. Where are you from and why are you a doctor? Oh, the simple question. <laughs> yeah. Um, first, please let me thank you guys for having me on the show. And, um, you know, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. So thank it's you. really thank a pleasure you. to be here. Thanks to the guys behind the, the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm from uh, Levittown, Pennsylvania. I went to Pensbury High School. And... Um, Another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I'm a doctor. Part of what pushed me over the edge in making that decision was uh, my mom was sick. And I was kind of watching these other doctors kind of fumble around um, trying to care for her. And I saw them make some mistakes. And I also just felt like they weren't very communicative. You know, they weren't. Like maybe one doctor or two pulled me aside and really told me what was going on. And gave you her. And he, maybe he wasn't even the best doctor, but just that, you know, extra five minutes right. of breaking things down for me changed my whole... Being more personable. Yeah. What age was that? Uh, she was hospitalized when I was 27. She was in for like a week or so and um, kind of like, you know, clinging to life for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point I call out twofold, you know, this is a job that I can make a difference doing where my day-to-day -day activity won't be so mundane where I'll have some real motivation to do well at it. And then also I guess I kind of thought maybe if I get in on the inside I can make a difference in her care. I can I can save my mom. Wow. That's a... Uh... Yeah. That's a real story. <laughs> yeah, that's a real story. Um, so at the age of 27, you make the decision that this is the path that you're going to take. And knowing how much school uh, might be involved with that. I, didn't, I don't think I fully understood like <laughs> what I was getting into. I had this image in my mind of like you go to school for four years and then you're a doctor and then you're set kind of for life. And of course, it's not that simple. Um, and it has been such such a grind, you know, after med school, four years comes residency. After residency, you are, you know, a neophyte in the field and you really have to work even harder to get your name out there and to win the respect of your peers. Right. And I kind of hesitated to bring this up earlier because I didn't want to and like begin on a sad note, but my mom actually passed away Sorry to hear during that's like right after I finished med school. Oh, right. So she did have this sort of pride of like, my son is a doctor now, which for a Middle Eastern woman is like the best thing right. you can do for her is like be Was your goal you know? always to have a practice or? I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, there was a little, there was a, little practice in Levittown. Dr. Halpin was the guy's name. 
Um, and he he hooked us up a bunch of times. Like he would give us samples when we couldn't afford them, when we didn't have insurance, he took cash. And he changed my mom's life. He changed my life as a kid. So I did want to kind of be like him and be small time independent, I guess, was my original goal. All right. Um, in the healthcare uh, system or whatever, is a big, vast, uh, I don't want to call it a system, um, because what I'm trying to explain is there's the hospital and then there's the family care yeah, doctor, doctor like you are. Um, what do you specialize in? Yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> that was one thing. I had a really tough time picking a specialty because uh, medicine isn't like, you know, some other fields where you can just switch anytime you want. I can't. I can't go do, you know, heart surgery next month. I can't work on the cardiac unit next month yeah. right. and work on the oncology unit this month, you know. So I ended up uh, getting a board certificate in family medicine. Um, it's kind of a little bit of everything. And, and as somebody who didn't have a lot of background in medicine to begin with, like most of my experience with doctors was the, the outpatient family physician experience. Okay. And then obviously your mother's motivation, obviously too. So for her, I probably should have been a cardiologist. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but there was, you know, a good family physician kind of knows a little bit about about everything and and can manage pretty much everything right. up to a point. So how is the um, relationship between you and patients? Uh, is that something that is a grueling task, like? Uh, or is it something where you, well, obviously you enjoy it or you wouldn't be doing it. Um, but how is handling that day to day? Um, so a good doctor takes pleasure in that, you right. know, in the, the interactions with his patients. And we have plenty of good interactions. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. I enjoy it too. <laughs> good, good. You know, almost like a, like a musician who says like I feed off the audience. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, I you you try and take care of yourself like I see you progress and that gives me motivation to to put more into our relationship like, right, right. as a physician and patient right um, being independent having my own little office means that I get to do things you know, on my time as much time as I want per patient mm -hmm. um, Whereas, you know, most healthcare systems will slot out, you know, you have to see 20 patients a day or else, mm -hmm. or else. Right. And you have 15 minutes per patient. Right. So um, my practice is more concierge style. So, you know, I've seen you at the gym. I've seen you at your place. Right, 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 right. And, and that really is how it was back in the day. Yeah. Uh, physicians used to come to your house. I've actually experienced that overseas in the UK when I thought that I had the swine flu. Uh, they called over there, I think it's 999 is their emergency or whatever. Um, and I, they came right to the house, like a regular doctor with a bag, you know, did all my vitals uh, and gave me my prescription right there and left. Um, and I, it made me think about like how that must have been in America when there were the doctors that lived in the neighborhood and stuff. Um, like, and, and you're doing that 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, how was that in COVID? How was doing that in COVID times? Uh, I mean, it's nerve wracking. It's a weird time to be a doctor uh, yeah. in general, you know. Um, 
I think most people are pretty receptive to, I can do a lot more over the telephone or over Skype, um, or I have like an actual HIPAA encrypted telemedicine like video chat that I okay. use now. Um, that makes it easier for for everyone. Like now you don't even have to. Are you still able to grasp what you need to grasp medically? One of the founding fathers of medicine was uh, Sir William Osler. And he said, um, listen to the patient. He'll tell you what's wrong with him. So okay. a majority of my medical decisions are based off of just, Doc, I'm having this difficulty breathing. I think it's asthma. My aunt has asthma. It's just like her asthma. Yeah. All right, that's probably asthma, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, I can do a lot without without actually laying hands on a person. And so I see your practices in Yardley, and we're on the Young Black Suburban show. You mentioned your mom was Middle Eastern, so how is that dynamic, having your own practice in Yardley and also traveling around this suburb? How has that been as a doctor and as a Middle Eastern man? I guess, um, I, guess I don't... I'm still not really thinking about like being a minority that much it comes up sometimes um i'd be lying if i said i didn't occasionally feel judged for my appearance uh in like downtown posh yardley especially um there's like there was actually there's a there was a spa next door to my office when i first rented it out and i went to go in there one day to ask about like you know when we some business cards with you, if your patients are ever looking for concierge med or whatever. <laughs> the lady just looked at me and she was like, listen, we don't do haircuts here. Because <laughs> I, I didn't comb my hair. I must have looked like a homeless person that day. But, um, yeah, overall, it's, I mean, it's a nice neighborhood. I, I wish I could give back to Levittown a little bit more. Um, if I ever make it big, I'll probably put a playground out there or something. Um, right. Now, what are some of the uh, obstacles of having your own, uh, you know, practice and uh, doing it solely on your own? Um, definitely energy. Like, uh, at 37, I'm feeling even older than my actual age. Right. Um, and I, I practice off of my cell phone at this point, and as nice and personal as that can be, um, it can also be really exhausting. Right. Getting, waking up at three in the morning, the patients. And <laughs> I don't like I, so I get texts like at nine o'clock at night, like, hey, bro, can we reschedule for tomorrow morning? And it's like, I want to be your friend, but like, yeah. what other doctor would you do this to? Like, let alone, you know, change your appointment within 24 hours. So that's a challenge. I think I might have to get a receptionist at some point. Mm -hmm. But on the patient end, I've missed out like I've, I've passed on many a doctor because i just didn't like the receptionist you know like you call mm -hmm. and she's just rude right yeah. or you call and before you even tell her what's wrong she's asking what's your insurance company what's your date, yeah. date of birth you know what's your social security number so that's something i struggle yeah. with that kind of comes back to the whole reason why you became a doctor when that other doctor was personable uh with you um and you're still carrying that you know, with you, and you, you expect that out of your own doctor uh, still to this day. Um, but the reason why I came to you uh, in the first place is because um, 
my therapist was going to prescribe me uh, something that I didn't want to take. Um, so they said, get a suggestion from your doctor and see if you can find an alternative medicine. Um, and I found the right doctor because not only uh, could you find the right medication for me, you also were against certain types of medication. Um, and we had kind of, we aligned on the same you know, wave path when it came to uh, being against those uh, types of uh, medication. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Um, so I guess I'll... I'll but, kinda... Without uh, going through HIPAA. <laughs> without... Well, you've given consent now. Yeah, 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 you have consent. On, yeah, on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So first of all, I guess I want to just like digress a minute to, to point out Hashemi Healthcare's sort of mission statement is to fill in the gaps uh, in the current healthcare system. Um, so a lot of what I do is kind of ask myself, you know, what kind of care would I want in this if I was in this position? Um, and also take feedback from what people are telling me, like I had this doctor who did this wrong, or I, had, I need this service, but I can't find it. Um, so one of the one of the areas that I've found myself in is mental health. Um, again, kind of concierge style. You can get in with me within a day or two. Um, and within mental health, um, I feel like oftentimes patients don't feel like they're being heard. They're being told, take this pill and, and shut up. Basically, take yeah. this pill and feel better. Right. Um, I've had a lot of success actually with with medical cannabinoids, um, which I think, yeah. if you don't mind me saying, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. fine. So there is, you know, there's an opioid epidemic in this country. There's also a benzodiazepine epidemic, um, and so some some patients uh, I've seen have been fairly reliant on Xanax or something along those lines. Not to him, not Tim, Tim, yeah. Tim but um, so I started using cannabinoids as um, as a substitute to kind of bridge people off of these substances. And uh, actually, a number of patients, despite even not having been that, that bad off to begin with, um, say they were on an SSRI or they were just having severe panic attacks or what have you, um, have reported pretty good results. I'm at the point where I'm doing a one-year follow-up with the majority of the patients that I've seen. Uh, I've been doing this about two years now. And I've been pretty impressed with the kind of response I've gotten. Mm -hmm. um, chronic pain patients are doing much better. Patients are getting off their opioid painkillers. Um, anxiety patients seem to be doing well, in part because cannabinoids you can take as needed. You can kind of dictate your own dose mm -hmm. instead of having to come to me every month and ask me, can I go up or down on this? Uh, you don't have to take a pill every day, which a lot of people have an aversion to. Um, and surprisingly, I have a number of patients. So one of the fields that I work in as well is, uh, addiction medicine. I have a, you know, a suboxone program. I do some Vivitrol shots, counseling, that sort of thing. But, but surprisingly, I'm following up with patients from last year who, uh, described themselves as having a substance use disorder. And a vast majority are telling me that, that cannabinoids have helped them improve in, in their relationships to their substance use disorder. Most of them are getting off of whether it was opiates or alcohol or benzos. Um, and some just say they're better able to moderate. That I think was really interesting because uh, 
the current model of um, addiction medicine kind of kind of uh, describes marijuana and cannabinoids as a gateway drug, right. or or they at least mm -hmm. I'd say they all of us in Pennsbury we had dare. So Dare didn't work. That's, like, <laughs> no. that's been a proven fact. Yeah. It's like people in Dare had no benefit. Um, a lot of actually like the addiction medicine approaches have shown to be kind of uh, kind of a, equally beneficial as the next. So like going to AA versus trying really hard on your own, going to a counselor, going to inpatient rehab, doing outpatient rehabs. Results are pretty similar. So I'm kind of of a motto of, you know, a little more custom tailored to the patient, yeah. whatever is working. And, you. you know, for me, it helps me with my many anxiety issues that I have. Um, and, you know, it, I attribute that to you. You changed my life in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that helped me a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody and most of the things that uh, I bring up on this show are things that actually happen. And I'm like recalling as we're we're talking and um, they worried about, you know, the effects of cannibal cannabis, uh, cannabis, cannabinoids uh, on certain people because it affects certain people differently. Sure. Um, so have you experienced a time where it wasn't the medicine? It wasn't the right thing for that person. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I think sets me out as a approved practitioner. Is I I do turn people away occasionally. Um, I was working at a big chain of wellness centers about a year ago, and actually we ended up parting ways. Even though I was actually doing pretty well, I was getting ahead in in life for once. <laughs> but um, I just felt this press to like you have to give everyone a card, and they paid for it, so you have to do it. Um, at that time, I was turning away maybe 10% of the people that they were bringing through the door. Mm. Um, they set the stage a little bit differently. With me, it's an evaluation. You know, if you don't qualify, it's okay. I'll give you your money back. No problem. You could probably go to that wellness center and get your card there. Contraindications. Uh, I took my training for the state's, um, the, the state privilege to, to use cannabinoids through Jefferson University. Um, they brought up this link between schizophrenia and schizophreniform disorders and cannabinoid use. Mm -hmm. There are studies that, they're retrospect retrospective studies that show that um, they basically took a bunch of schizophrenic individuals uh, and a bunch of non-schizophrenic individuals and gave them uh, both the same survey. Uh, trying to recall what did you do when you were younger, you know, that might have contributed to your condition today. And um, a significantly, a statistically significant number of schizophrenics recalled using cannabinoids, marijuana, when they were younger compared to the non-schizophrenic. So we're not sure if it's causality. We're not saying that marijuana causes schizophrenia, but mm -hmm. we are saying that um, there may be a link. Right. And so uh, a couple patients who have schizophreniform disorders have, have come through my doors and told me that it actually helps them. It makes them feel better. But with, with a heavy heart, I told them, you know, I can't really sign off on this knowing that, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, number one, is do no right. harm. So to those people, have you started doing any Delta-8 work over? They usually storm off pretty angrily. <laughs> so it's not much more of a... But Delta-8 is really interesting. I'm, 
I'm glad you brought that up. That's kind of like the new thing that yeah, I've, I've just uh, started hearing about. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of letters and a lot of emails about it. And uh, I, what do you, that was that was basically my next question. Do you are you believing the hype? Do you think it's true? Because those are, I guess, those are the best taste test patients for that. For schizophrenic patients. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. that well, they were saying because it's. The Delta Eight supposed to be missing the uh, what makes you paranoid and all those uh-huh. different psychological things that's supposed to be missing out of the Delta Eight. I think there's certainly something for isolating specific cannabinoids and looking at them, you know, mm. for specific properties that are helpful to to various conditions. Um, I'm also, though, I've started to notice that there is, there is, like you use the word hype, there is now pharmaceutical level marketing in the cannabinoid yeah, industry. Yeah, so, definitely. So one day when I was at this wellness center, I heard uh, a representative from a dispensary who was visiting tell, tell one of my cancer patients, like, you should try this RSO, it's proven to, to cure cancer. Just like a pharmaceutical, like the stereotypical, like salesperson would try and right. and push, right. you know, to, to make a, a dollar. They just what is it like? They just need a couple percents that it works, and they can say that. Right? Well, you can say when I asked him about it, he said, "Well, that's my opinion. I'm sharing my opinion." Oh, uh, yeah. That's why I threw him out. But, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, I I hope that it works, especially you know the schizophrenic population is not getting the attention they deserve right. and they're also not getting the medications that they deserve yeah. like antipsychotics are not where they need to be was there anything in the study about uh early development use and that being a cause of uh schizophrenia that was the suggestion was the younger you're using it the greater your risks um there's also some talk of uh hormonal imbalances like cannabinoids can supposedly boost your uh estrogen levels um, there's also this suggestion that it can cause you to do worse in school, um, be less motivated, less fit. That said, a number of the patients I'm following up with now. The opposite. Surprisingly. You know, I guess if you use it for what, you know, it's intended for, um, hopefully more times than none, you know, it'll help you. Um, so I see you got the addiction anxiety, medication management. So with the medication management, have you branched into any micro dosing and any of those things? That's because that's a big, me being a football player, that's a big thing they're bringing up with concussions and all that and the medication management. And they keep talking about the micro dosing, the mushrooms and how it's supposed to work. That's a very good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have not... um really been able to i think you need a special license to be involved okay. in um yeah. you know the psychedelic studies mm-hmm. i've thought about applying for it um i think there are potentially some benefits to psychedelics there's a dr andrew wheel is kind of the founder of integrated medicine um, he wrote a book called the natural mind mm-hmm. which uh kind of framed a lot of my especially addiction medicine approach Suggesting that that uh, especially natural substances, you brought up mushrooms, taken in in natural ways and natural forms for a specific purpose, almost ritual, ritualistically, can can be of benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's also you know the ayahuasca movement yeah. among like the shamanic cultures which have been doing pretty well you know with the exception of being pillaged by the spanish in the you know 17th yeah. century or whatever um i got a chance to go to peru and, and learned a little bit about that and and so those are not you know people who are damaged in any way by the occasional ayahuasca trip right. it seems to be a, a source of healing for them yeah. yeah um i remember uh listening to the radio and hearing uh on a news radio station that people were given uh psychedelics that had cancer um and they were not doing too well before mm-hmm. and they were pre uh prompting their mind that once they get into the trip that it's going to travel to where the cancer is mm-hmm. And and so people were tripping and fighting their cancer through the trip, and they were seeing a certain percentage of them were actually getting better after that psychedelic trip and actually going into their own body and seeing the cancer. And the people that didn't get better, they felt better about actually physically seeing it in their trip, and they weren't scared of it anymore. Um, I, it was NPR, the the, the news station. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's a that's a. I would actually like to, uh, you know, not actually do it, but um, learn more about um psychedelics and. Yeah, and they give Riley cocaine. Yeah. The whole thing. yeah. <laughs> um, one author who I found really interesting was Terrence McKenna. Have you heard of him? A little, just brief. He wrote Flesh of the Gods, I think, in the 60s, and he has an actual method, the McKenna method of, of mushrooms, um, five grams at once, which is not, a, it's a macro dose, it's almost like a hyperdose, uh, alone in silent darkness is his, is his approach. And he thinks, number one, it, it may lead one to connect with whatever type of spiritual realm there is his his whole philosophy was pretty far out that there's like another dimension and you can like travel between using certain substances um but also i think it may serve as kind of a shock almost like uh, electroconvulsive shock therapy uh, or insulin therapy back in the 50s um to bring people out of an extreme you know depression or extreme you know emotional disturbance um that said, Timothy Leary, the father of psychedelics, or the father of LSD movement, I should say, um, he uh, suggested it's all about set and setting. Um, okay. That that the the mood you go into a psychedelic trip with, the intention you go into it with, is going to have a lot to do with the uh, the outcome, with with the actual trip itself. And that that technique you mentioned, it's it's interesting. You know, there. That's a yogic technique. There are, there are meditations. I was just about to ask you about your yogis. Yeah, so there are, you know, these stories of, like, yogis with, like, cities, they call them, almost magic powers. And one yogi I heard about cured his own cancer uh, doing simply that without the psychedelics, meditating daily on focusing his energy on where the cancer was right. and imagining a path in which that cancer was being drawn out of him or imagining that he was shrinking the tumor himself. And he did really well. I think he eventually did succumb to that, um, to that, to that process. But mm-hmm. um, he lived a lot longer than than was expected. Right. So, in your prescribing, 
We know you got the, you do the medical marijuana cannabis side. Do you do just straight CBD? Have you prescribed just the straight up CBD? Yeah, I was a big proponent of it. Um, about a year ago, I had my first and only, you know, a contract position in a family medicine office. Mm -hmm. And for my chronic pain patients, my anxiety patients, my migraine patients especially, I, I was a big uh, proponent of CBD use. Mm -hmm. um, I even, you know, once or twice I had a patient come in with an acute migraine. They were looking for a Toradol shot, and ultimately I pretty much gave them all the Toradol shots. Mm -hmm. uh, but once or twice I did try treatment with um, a sublingual CBD and uh, an essential oil of, uh, I think it was peppermint or lavender mm -hmm. or something on that wrist. Um, I'm a fan of CBD. I think there are a lot of non-psychoactive cannabinoids in the plant that are of benefit. Mm -hmm. I think when used together, um, they're probably even more beneficial, kind of like, you know, you the say yes from person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, in some states, a, a lot of them now, uh, cannabis is totally legal. Um, and you can do it recreational. What are your thoughts about recreational marijuana use? I'm for it. You're for it? All right. No, no, as simple as that, right? Yeah. Um, I'm for regulating and legalizing the trade. I think, I don't know what you guys were like in high school. For, for me, marijuana was easier to get in high school than alcohol because there's not a guy on the corner selling it. You know, there's right, no black right. market for alcohol. Right. Um, and that would go away. I think that's the common argument if marijuana was was government regulated yeah um so what got you into uh the yoga aspect of your life and you know you've been in the gym you've been training here so i know you're a physical guy um but your passion when we talked was yoga um what drove you down that path um for me it was a search for Peace has been a big motivator in life. Mm -hmm. um, and someone said that. Peace from what? So that's. That someone said that the more peace we can cultivate inside us, the more peace that will be outside of us as well. So, like Lao Tzu talks about, don't change the world, change yourself. Like, that's kind of. The world just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And I, and I just have this feeling, you know, I just. Maybe I should just focus on finding inner peace, like, you know, quieting the. I suffer from anxiety also, I don't mind telling you. Right. I have a bit of a temper sometimes, <laughs> I've noticed in the gym. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that, I think yoga is kind of like a, just another tool, you know, another distillate of, there, there's so many different philosophies that are based on the same thing. I think, how do we get, how do we get some peace in life? How do you quiet the, the rat, I guess? Right. Um, we're, we're in a really tough time right now with COVID and a lot of people are having a hard time and, and stuff like that. What are your thoughts about how, um, the pandemic is going and how it is affecting the healthcare system? Um, I think this is World War Three. This is now man versus virus. So we are, and I think that Unfortunately, I think that as, as a society, we failed to see that and we failed to come together against this common enemy. 
and I think it's it's divided us. And I think you know who was it? Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin said, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. So the virus is winning because we're letting it win because we're we're dividing instead of uniting. So um, I think it's a shame, and I think. The toll it's taken on our senior citizens really breaks my heart, you know, who are already kind of like tucked away in these nursing homes and now they're just being wiped out. And, you know, the there are individuals suggesting like, just let them die, just let the virus just run its course. And, you know, the healthy young ones among us will take over the world. Yeah. Um, so I think that's sad because I've always had a soft spot for the elderly. Um, I think we can win this. I think we have to come together, we have to do our part, and I don't think it's that hard. I mean, what am I saying? It is hard. I'm, t- I'm stir-crazy. <laughs> I'm lonely. Like, I, I've been socially distanced. Yeah. I haven't seen my father, who's, you know, in his 70s for, you know, a long time. Right. I'm going to spend Christmas by myself. So um, the hot question of everybody right now, are you going to take the vi- Are you going to take the vaccine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. That's a good question. If you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said, no. I would have said they, they have not given it the due diligence it needs for safety testing. And I would bring up that the flu vaccine, when it started, was giving individuals Guillain-Barre syndrome, was having a lot of side effects. Guillain-Barre is like, you know, the vaccine is meant to train your immune system into um, fighting, finding and fighting the, the virus. But the immune system, if if conditions allow it, the immune system itself can get confused into thinking you are now the virus also. So then instead of just attacking the flu virus, people were getting attacked by their own immune system. So their, their nerves were getting attacked and it, it was pretty debilitating. So things yeah. like that scare me. I don't necessarily think there's a microchip in, in the virus or in the, <laughs> the vaccine or that it's yeah. like, I don't think, honestly, I've worked in a pharmaceutical company like I don't think we're smart enough to put some secret like sterilization like microchip or something in, in a vaccine. But but I do think, you know, you should probably test these things better. I'm a little disheartened by how long it's taken to make a vaccine. You remember Ebola? Mm. We were working on this vaccine for like 10 years. As soon as it got on the American shores, we had a vaccine in like a month. Yeah. Like, you know, just put, put your foot on the gas. <laughs> So you, you do think a vaccine could be created in this amount of time? I think, I honestly, I kind of think it should have been created already. I don't know what's taking so long. Okay. What is a vaccine? You know, it's a piece of a, a dead virus, you know. But so. It, so is it a piece of this specific vaccine, the stem from the coronavirus put into the common cold? cold? Because that's what I was told. And that your body already knows how to fight off the common code. So then it learns how to handle the coronavirus that was connected to it as well. You're not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I right. really have to do. I think that the key to that would be just the, you said the stem. Like the key is just like a sequence of proteins that is recognizable and somewhat unique to this coronavirus. Put that in the body in a, in a form that is not going to damage the human mm-hmm. host and just allow it to float around so that the immune system can get used to it and, and take some time to study it. That's basically what we're trying to do. Um, so I think that the testing that's going on is is about making sure that we pick the right sequence of proteins 
and not one that's going to be confused with the host itself with, with your immune with your you know neurologic system or something. It would be great if they could make a cannabis form of the vaccine. I bet you everybody would take it. I mean that said it's been it's been a long time and you know I would really like to be able to travel again, to be able to see family again. I think a lot of us have had this thought, like, why don't I just get it? Why don't I just get the, the COVID yeah. and just, like, get it over but with? But they say like it comes back, box. too. Dude, they, I've heard something about, like, maybe, like, a post-COVID syndrome where it's, like, neurologic yeah. sequelae down the line. But it doesn't seem proven. Some of that, we're not See, sure. I, I, a lot of it's just... From, from my, my understanding... Uh, a, a lady that works in the ER that comes here, she said that she's seen people come in multiple times with the virus. I don't know the second time if it's worse or easier or the third time it's easier. But she said that she has seen uh, patients come in multiple times with coronavirus. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I will say now that it's been almost a year, this thing's been floating around. It is possible there are different strains of this. It's no longer the original coronavirus. Right. Just like there are different flus, you can get the flu shot and still get the flu that season. So it is possible they're getting either different strains or maybe they're just testing positive still, you know, after the... Yeah. I got my test yesterday. How'd you do? Uh, I don't know yet, but I only got it just to just to get it. All right, I don't, I don't have any symptoms, or that's not the reason why I got it. I got it, but the test was way easier than you used to see a year ago. Uh, like a year ago, you had to stick it all the way up your nose. Um, now I just swab the inside. Oh, you did the home test? Uh, I went to CVS uh, and got it done there, and I was like, "What? I can just put it right there?" Like, yep. Boom, put it in there and uh, drove off. You know, it's a lot easier uh, than I was expected. I didn't get the antibody test, which boxers don't like needles, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you would have did it for me? Sure. Cool. But so the antibody will always be positive. So if you get it once, you'll always have, you'll always come up positive on an antibody test. Right, right, right. Um, so do you prescribe, so like I see you do yoga and things like that. So do you go and prescribe to certain people like, hey, let me calm your mind and go to their house and I think I can help you this way? Or is that just kind of spare time, my own thing? Yeah. I mean, to those patients who are open to it, um, for some reason, I, I get asked a lot, like, isn't there a pill for this? Like, do you have a pill <laughs> uh, yeah. for this? I have definitely done a majority of my yoga practice has been, you know, at people's houses, in their backyards, mm -hmm. on beaches. Um, there are a few breathing techniques I use uh, quite a bit. The four, seven, eight breath is again prop propagated by that Andrew Wheel, the, the doctor I mentioned earlier. Four, seven, eight breath works as good as, um, you know, not as good as a Xanax, but like a, it works not as good as a Xanax to calm people down when they're having a panic attack. Um, right. Yeah, and I, I was doing free workshops last year, and I, I would like to do them again once it's safe to, to have that many people in a yoga studio. Right. Um, and Hashimi Healthcare does more and more and more and more than that. Um, you're also a little bit into the cosmetic end of things as oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, I feel like I really alienated my yoga 
Ah, uh, I, I didn't even think about it like that. I, I was thinking like people are going to go get it done. Why not go to a doctor and get it done? Um, you know, you're doing it in a safe environment. Uh, you're a medical doctor. Yeah, and I'm pretty good at it. If I don't and you're, and you're good at it. So, um, it's fun. I mean, it's I like working with my hands. I miss doing it. And it makes people happy. Um, and yeah, so I do I do injections myself, Botox. I do uh, Juvederm lip injections. When I do them, I have a N95 mask on. Um, I have the windows open in my office. Uh, I make sure the person isn't having you know symptoms. I'm not having symptoms. Um, to me, kind of cosmetic medicine, aesthetic medicine, it's almost like getting a tattoo. Like, mm -hmm. if you want your eyebrows to be lifted a little bit, you know, you want to get rid of these wrinkles or whatever, like, have some fun. Just do it. It's not, it doesn't have to be a big, you know, spiritual, I'm not telling you you're not good looking, you know, <laughs> to get you to do this. Like, right. please believe, like I'm saying it now, everyone, you're already beautiful. You don't need Botox, but if you want it and you want it done well, come, come see me. <laughs> come see you. <laughs> And, and and for a lot of other things, like um, I refer a lot of people to you for you to be their personal physician um, because I trust in you. Um, everyone can see that you're pretty informative. You went to Pensbury, <laughs> which we didn't really touch on how you were in high school. Uh, I, we we must have walked past each other in the hallway and, and never even realized yeah, it's it. It's crazy. We went to high school together. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that crazy? Because I don't, I don't, I feel like I would know that like Tim Tim Witherspoon, the boxer, was. Uh, nobody knew me in school. Wasn't nobody. your dad like the? <laughs> you know, like, wasn't he like... Yeah, yeah, but you were probably doing your own thing on your way to. Nobody knew me. <laughs> on your way to greatness. Nobody knew me. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Still, I, I didn't get invited to like the ten year reunion. Yeah. They don't, they don't remember me from our graduating class. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk because I might get invited still. <laughs> and I didn't even finish school. Anymore. I, I still went so to the prom. I was going to ask yeah. you how it was. Huh? I was going to ask you how it was. The, the I never went. I didn't go. Uh, Justin, you go to your... Oh no! I, His might have not come up yet. He's a young boy. The, no, it, it got. It was supposed to be this year. Uh, COVID chopped. Yeah. If someone could, were you, were you posting this on YouTube? Yeah. If, could you guys put in the comments section what a ten year reunion is like? Cause <laughs> <laughs> we all want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Can we please yeah. get some video? I guess we could look it up ourselves. It's probably. Some, I didn't. I didn't go to Pennsylvania. So. Yeah. Not the high school, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anything else, doctor, that you want to spread out to the world? You have such a radiant way about you, wow, and ease and the calm, but you also got a lot of energy to give everybody. Um, spread some of that on the spot, freestyle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the truth is, primary care comes down to just preventative medicine. And so honestly, if you guys are just exercising, if you're eating healthy, eat a lot of plants, eat a lot of raw foods, um, less processed is better. You know, that's like 90% of the battle right there. Don't be afraid of a little bit of pain. Like if you have some aches and pains, that's life. I mean, get it checked out if it's really bad, but don't be quick to go on painkillers. Um, and just love yourselves, you know, love each other, come together. 
And well. Um, and what would you say to somebody that might want to try uh, cannabis as a substitute, um, but they're on the fence? I would say it's totally your decision. Um, there are, there are. I think I mentioned, you know, some drawbacks to cannabinoid therapy. There are, is some benefit also. Um, so in no way am I a pusher. You know, if you decide after hearing the facts, after doing the research that you want to go about it, I would say start slow. Um, dispensaries have some some less potent compounds like tinctures, especially like oils that go under your tongue uh, that are probably a safer starting point than, you know, hitting a vape with, you know, 90% THC or something. Do you prescribe the THC pills? What's your take on that? Um, I don't actually do the dosing. The, the dispensaries have like a pharmacist on yeah, site right. that handles oh, okay. that. Um, okay. I'm for probably a full spectrum, you know, use like the difference between taking a vitamin C tablet and eating an orange. You know, the orange is better because it has everything in it, like in its natural state. So I like the full spectrum. I don't like the idea of... Oh, what is the cannabis equivalent to that? To the vitamin C? So not, like well, not vitamin like a, C, but the the vitamin, the orange and the... Full pill. spectrum tincture is more like the orange. Or in fact, taking... You should just take it straight. Taking a flower it. itself, taking the bud of marijuana, grinding it up, baking it into like a cookie and then eating the cookie or something along those lines right uh versus taking a tablet which is isolated thc that's like just the one right combo. chemical yeah yeah um i mentioned oral intake because i do think that that pulmonary damage is still a possibility that if you're inhaling you know marijuana smoke is thought to be just as harmful as tobacco smoke vaping we're still not sure about so i would say go Try and find routes that are safe, easier on the lungs. Right, exactly. Um, um, start slow, go. Start low, go slow. Start low, go slow. I like that slogan. All right. So, Dr. Hashimi, you have uh, Instagram. Uh, do you have, you want to shout out yourself? Uh, yeah, well, our company uh, Instagram is Hashemi Healthcare. And then uh, my personal um, Instagram is Rushtastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're also at www.hashemihealthcare.com. Uh, you can also Google me. He also got some. He brought some merch in. Yeah, we got some yeah, t-shirts. Can we open this? Open up, please. Uh, Am I the first guy to bring you a t-shirt on the show, or? Huh? My son's brought you t-shirts first. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody okay. else? No, are you the first Bring one? Uh, yeah, definitely. So this is me. That's how you spell it. We like gifts. <laughs> Christmas. Cool. Christmas. Thank you very Happy much holidays. for the shirt. Thank definitely. you guys for all you and, and one more thing. You're located. Uh, I am at uh, 19 South Main Street uh, in Yardley. But uh, you will come to them. I will come to you if needed. Um, or you can uh, call us 215-715-6187 and we'll have all that on the podcast for you uh, this is another episode of Young Black Suburban Justin Renfro Dr. Hashimi Namaste, Namaste. 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 Namaste.